0: But don't get me wrong, dude. I mean, uh, I absolutely adore this business. I mean, I love it. There's nothing, you know, they had a saying. You know, if you love what you do, you never work a day of your life. Absolutely. Well, that's a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> okay. Working Fans Podcast. Cool. Yep. All right, here we go. Coming down. Three, two.
1: for another week of the Working Fans Podcast. This is AJ. I'm the former wrestler. We've got Dave, the ultimate fan, here with us. As we do every week, our producer, Joe, may, likes to make us sound good and makes us look way more professional than we actually are. As always, you can find us on Twitter. That's at FansWorking. Facebook, Working Fans Pod. We've got email where you can reach out to us and please contact us to let us know what you think of the podcast, and for any ideas that you might have, that's workingfanswrestlingpod at gmail.com. We're on Instagram, where you can keep up with us at workingfanswrestling underscore pod. And then you can now listen to us on all major platforms, including anchor.fm. We're on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, and you can actually check us out on YouTube. Now, it's important when you go onto the Apple Podcasts and YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a rating, let us know what you think so you can help us out, and we can continue to do what we love and bring you guys in as fans. Alright guys, welcome back to Is It A Work? This week I want to talk about something very um, personal and near and dear to my heart. I'm getting tired of all these crutches people are using. People either are addicted to something or they want to whine about their anxiety or they want to whine about what's hurt their feelings and why they can't fucking do this. The world is becoming a place of excuses. When I was a kid, you didn't have all this shit. And I hate to sound like I'm out of fucking place or a different time period, but you know what? I am. I'm from this beautiful place called the 80s. Look it up sometime, kids. You'll love it. It was a place where you had rock and roll, people got their asses kicked, and then people went out and did what they were supposed to do. And God damn it, I love that society. Now we got people who need to come into a restaurant with their fucking dog in their hand um, to make them feel good enough to be able to eat their fucking gluten-free food because their tummy hurts. Let me let you in on a secret, folks. Gluten, first of all, isn't even a fucking allergy. It's a goddamn intolerance. Secondly, you want to talk about a first world problem, you never hear anybody in Kenya sitting there going, Hey, nobody, I can't eat that bread, I've got a gluten allergy. I'm going to sit over there and starve to death rather than fucking eat the bread so I don't get a goddamn tummy ache. We've turned into a pussy society, and part of it is not being able to take responsibility for what we do. Here's a little thing, if you're hooked on drugs, you know who took drugs the first time? You dumbass. You know who got you there? You. Take responsibility. Same thing with alcohol, same thing with anything that you're fucking doing out there. We always want to blame people for what we're doing. Cigarettes, same goddamn thing. We get people all the time. They're like, oh my God, I can't believe it. I've got a spot in my lung. It's like, oh my God, did you smoke? They're like, well, only like three packs a day for 12 years. It's like, wow, really? That's it? Fucking A. Unless you were born in 1920 before they put the fucking warning on the side of the pack. You know whose fault that is? It's your fault! God damn! You weigh 300 pounds. Guess what? I'm a little overweight right now. You know who's to blame for that? It's my fucking self. You know who's responsible? It's me. You know why? I didn't get myself to the gym. I didn't fucking eat what I was supposed to eat. So now I've gotten myself out of shape. So now it's my responsibility to get myself back in shape and to fucking get myself back on that treadmill and work out the way I used to and eat right and get myself back in shape. It's on me! It's not on the fucking government. It's not on the McDonald's for selling me the fucking cheeseburger. Oh my God, they made it too easy. I mean, they put that light there. How was I going to look away from it? Holy shit. My God, my car's just going in that direction. Please, Mama, help me. Motherfuckers, get off the tit. Anybody else, by the way, I got a suggestion for you. You want to know what part of the problem is? Hey, moms, maybe stop breastfeeding the kid till they're four years old. I saw a kid the other day in a fucking mall, I ain't got a problem when you're breastfeeding kids in the mall. You want to breastfeed? Breastfeed. That's not my fucking business. But here's the goddamn problem I do have. If the kid is old enough to reach up and grab your tit and milk it himself, maybe it's time to stop fucking breastfeeding. I'm just saying. The kid's 14 years old, got a fucking mustache, tickling the nipple on you. Maybe let it go, folks. Just saying. And and you know what? I'm sick and tired of all these people making excuses. Here's something else. The people that help you along the way, maybe instead of shitting on them and just dumping them off to the side when they're done helping you, Maybe you actually fucking owe them a debt of gratitude. Maybe you can actually care about what you've done to their life and the fucking dents that you've done in there. These fucking programs that we have out there for Al-Anon and shit like that because of your fucking drug addict asses out there and your alcoholic asses out there and all these people that have to help you along the way, it's a shame that they got to be there. So my asshole of the week this week is all you excuse-making, sissy-ass piece of shit snowflakes out there who want to blame the world for your fucking problems instead of actually doing something about it get yourself clean get yourself dried up get a job get off your mom's nipples and fucking live a productive life you piece of shit all right on to more serious notes guys we're going to talk about the moon landing as promised i don't believe in the moon landing folks it's a work These motherfuckers have been conning you since day one. Don't blame the astronauts. I know you're gonna call astronauts liars. They're not fucking liars. They're soldiers that were told what to do. So fuck you if you're gonna blame the astronauts. But if you wanna blame the government, that's perfectly fine. They came up with this idea, this ruse, this moment. They were like, you know what? We've been fighting in Vietnam. People aren't happy. You know, what Kennedy did, he promised them we'd be flying by the end of the decade. Fuck, we're running out of time. We gotta get to that moon. God damn something help us. So you know what we ended up doing? We went to a fucking studio. We filmed these poor guys pretending to be on the moon. You can see the wind blowing on the fucking flag. There's no wind on the moon. You can see the picture clear as day in a time period where we couldn't even see our goddamn fucking television more than three channels, and half of those you had to stand on the roof and play with the antenna. But you want us to believe that this came in crystal clear as can be from fucking Houston, Texas, all the way to the goddamn moon. We're not idiots. We're not morons. So guess what, folks? Get out there. Let your government know you don't believe in it. Hashtag moon landing's fucking fake. Hashtag isn't a work. You're damn right it's a fucking work. Uh, One more thing to talk about this week. Thank God this Lana fucking Rusev shit It's coming to an end. We're going to get the Bulgarian brute back. We'll have to stop watching this stupid fucking wedding, marriage, whatever. God damn it. Let me let you in on a secret, folks. Nobody's a goddamn good guy or a bad guy when it comes to these marriage angles. All it does is end up in divorce. I feel horrible because you see it's coming. Eventually, Lana and Rousseff are going to end up in a real divorce court. It's all going to be because Lana's a fucking idiot. Guys, you want to know if it's a work, you want to fucking talk to us about anything, do what Randy Osga does. Reach out to us on Twitter. He asked us this week. He said, guys, what do you think of the AEW women's division and what they've done? Here's what I think about it. It's trash. Chris is absolutely incredible. you got some good athletes in there. This week, they did something genius. They kept fucking baker on the sideline sitting in a chair wearing a pair of jeans and didn't let her wrestle thank god for that because nobody needs to see her fucking wrestling she's trash she's a beautiful to look at but she couldn't wrestle her way out of a wet paper bag then you got a 12 year old girl and reho's your champ and somehow manages to still be the fucking champion God damn it, Kenny Omega. I know you love the girl. I know she's like a daughter to you or whatever weird fetish you have she is to you. But you got to let this one go. The crowd doesn't react to her. They don't give a shit. She's over as much as Nyla Rose, for Christ's sakes. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Fuck. Christ. The American audience does not give a shit about these Japanese women that you happen to have brought over. I'm sorry. It's just not working. And then you got Awesome Kong and Brandy. Awesome Kong 10 years ago was absolutely incredible. She was a beast of a woman who could fucking have a hell of a match. She's working with Brandy Rhodes. Brandy Rhodes is the least talented woman I've ever seen in my life. She has a great business mind. She's fucking an awesome human being. She does great things that way. That being said, she can't work in the ring. She can't work on the mic. She has no fucking presence other than the fact that she's beautiful. Uh, God damn it, just because she's sucking your cock, Cody, you got to let this one go, buddy. Just put her back in the office where she belongs or have her valet for you. One of the two, please, please. So, guys, that's the end of this episode. If you've got a problem with what we say, reach out on Twitter. Reach out on whatever form of media you want. Send your fucking carrier pigeon. Make it happen. Let us know. And if you're not down with that, Dave and Joe, this week, I got two words for you. Later. Everybody, it's the
2: Working Fans Podcast. Dave's right here. You know who we are. We got Joe, the producer. What up? And we got my boy, AJ, calling in on assignment today. I believe last week we had talked. We are going to discuss some Russell Kingdom, New Japan. We didn't get yeah, to. Well, we got busy lives, folks. But we saw some of it. We're going to fucking talk about it. We got some opinions. The reason why
3: it's called the
2: Working Fans Podcast. Yeah, we're working. working. I think the first thing I want to talk about... I know AJ wants to talk about the AEW slash New Japan relationship, what it is, what it isn't, but I I want to address, first thing is Jushin Liger. Jushin Liger retiring. This is a guy, he came over to the States. I was first familiar with his matches with Brian Pillman in the WCW Cruiserweight division that had, I believe it was the light heavyweight division at the time, and his matches were excellent. I was just a big fan of WCW around that time, too. Bringing into New Japan Town was always one of my favorite things. And uh, these guys had great matches in Super Brawl. And years later, they would have one of the best matches to open up Nitro in the Mall of America, the first ever Nitro. Well, the thing
4: about Fusion Lights is that we had seen in wrestling magazines, those of us that were big fans of wrestling in the 80s, we had seen guys like Tiger Bass, and Tiger's (coughs) Kid, Black Cat. We've seen these characters in photographs, but we had never seen them live on our television set. So all of a sudden we saw this guy who looked like he could be out of Pokemon or out of a superhero realm. And all of a sudden he's on TV and he's doing these amazing moves that a lot of people weren't doing in that time period. And it was just popping off the screen. So it was a big hit for WCW when he first came out was wrestling. Guys like Ty and Bad
3: Street, Tom Zink. It really lit up the screen. Yeah. One of the
5: few things that I actually watched from Wrestle Kingdom was the eight-man tag match that first night, and it was loaded with names. I mean, they had, I believe, Naoki Sano, who was in the next night's tag match. You had Sasuke, you had Shinjiro Otani. You had a lot of legends in there really kind of paying tribute to Liger in a last match. And it, I thought it was nice to see all those guys in there. Sasuke still showing up huge. Oh, Sasuke looks great. The thing on Sasuke is he's always actually looked really good in the ring. The thing that's always buried him is being a promoter and
4: his backstage politics when it comes to whether it's holding up the WWE and not letting them get a good shot at bringing in Dick Togo and who is the little fellow there that wrestled for a while, Dave. The Japanese guy. He was there for a few years. Taka Michinoku. Taka Michinoku. Now you got mm-hmm. Michinoku broke. He was actually, the only reason he saw Sasuke that first run was because when the WWE wanted to sign him, Sasuke basically said, yeah, he can only come over if I come over and you plug me over. Right. And that, that's one of the
3: little known things about Sasuke. And it's the reason why he didn't translate as much in the U.S. is because nobody liked working with him.
5: Yeah, but in Japan, he's still big, and the second night, you had Liger and Sano versus Takahashi and Dragon Lee. You know, and that was a pretty good lineup. No, I like Dragon Lee. I've always been a Dragon Lee fan. (laughs) I thought that they also stole the show, and I enjoyed
4: the end of the match how they all paid tribute once again. I think that it was a great show of respect, and they really put it together well.
5: Yeah, and then the next night, they had that big retirement ceremony, and it was good to see them send Liger off as the hero that he is. Like on Facebook, I even saw they had a picture of Liger looking out a window with his mask on and then looking out the window with his mask off. You see him without the mask on, and you realize kind of how old he actually is.
4: Yeah, and the funny thing is is that you've been wearing the mask for so long I mean, for all we know, it could have been six different guys playing them, but
5: whatever. I know, I heard that at one point, that it was almost <laughs> like... New Japan, I thought I had heard, had bought the character, Mm. so that way you can just perpetually keep putting people in the Liger mask. Like, think if you had the Liger mask and you put it on Osprey for an amount of time. yeah. Then Liger's legacy, it just gets so much broader there.
2: AJ also believes that there might have been several people who played Kane at one point too, though, so let's take that Uh, for what it's worth Hey,
4: don't even get me going about how the Ultra Warrior died and they fooled us
2: with the second one. <laughs> yeah. I think Paul Hornruff died and came back too, buddy. <laughs> well, they,
4: now, someone that they did do that with is that there were multiple Tiger Masks.
2: Yeah, exactly. They,
4: they actually, did. with the Tiger Mask character, they actually did have multiple wrestlers who actually played Tiger Mask.
5: Yeah, I believe Sayama was the first one and they're up to like Tiger Mask 4 now. ACH was even uh, Tiger of the Dark. There you go, see? That was actually two (laughs) Wrestle Kingdoms
2: ago. I want to switch this up a little bit. I want to get right into it. Chris Jericho defeats Tanahashi. Mox wins the U.S. title. Tesla defends it the next night again against Juice Robinson. They do an angle with him. He's supposed to come back and fight Minoru Suzuki. Apparently, there is no AEW-New Japan relationship officially. Depending on who you ask, you get different opinions about this. But they obviously, some wrestlers have a working relationship over there. We heard before... Uh, Dave Meltzer's podcast at one point they, uh, when they went to go see New Japan when they were in Dallas, Texas they weren't even allowed to mention that company they didn't want them to mention AEW now suddenly AEW's getting mentioned we're getting brought up I mean, guys, let's pull the fucking trigger on this. Like, this is going to be really good for wrestling for both companies. Jericho said it himself, and I I think that... I know you can argue that New Japan can establish his own, you know, footing in the U.S., but if these guys are working together, like, it's just going to be money, and it's going to be success for both companies.
5: Maybe it's not necessarily working together, but... Jericho's a contracted person. He's free to work with New Japan. If he's the champion, let's bring up the title name. Maybe there's no hopes of working together, but you have to acknowledge a championship somewhere. Maybe you make a storyline oh, sure. to make it fit the show you're on. Obviously, I'd like to see them work together, but I think with New Japan wanting to branch out into the U.S., I can't see them doing it. Not that it's a bad yeah. idea.
4: Come on, guys. To wise man, it's a work. <laughs> of course it's a work. What about you
3: second mark? It's <laughs> all the work. The whole thing is a work. If you think that they don't have a working relationship, they're bringing over the top stars,
2: John Moxley, Chris Jericho. They put a belt on Jericho, for Christ's sakes. New well, Japan's going to work with anybody. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. They put a belt on Moxley. I just want to make sure we get that. But. Oh, Moxley, Moxley. Yep, they put the yeah. belt on Moxley. Yep. Sorry. That's right. Either way they put a belt on a top guy from a uh,
4: they're not doing that if there's not some kind of working agreement. They're not going to take a, try- a chance if your fr- nitro shit happen. and it's all under blaze where she drops the uh, freaking belt in a garbage can somewhere and says this doesn't matter if there's no working agreement they're not putting a championship
5: on a top guy from another company. There's some kind of working agreement going on here w- and they're playing us. What about the restriction of working the other companies' TV in the U.S.?
4: Well, that's the other thing that I'm saying, is, is that they remember that AEW's telling these guys, hey, you can't work with other companies' TV, you can't do this, you can't do that, but you can go on the biggest
2: pay-per-view of the year for New Japan and win their title, and it's all faulty-dory. There's got to be some kind of working agreement there. Okay, that makes enough sense. I mean, Cody has basically said that the door is open. He said, we're already sending people over there. It's just a question of how far do we want to open this door? So I do agree there is something going on, but I want to see this to the level that we're going to see New Japan stars go back and forth on US TV, on a pay-per-view to building something more. We don't know yeah. how, how, how much work in agreement is actually here. So. so
5: it's not like an ROH door definitely
2: closed type Right, of and here's the thing with that too. If you look at the New Japan ROH agreement for the last couple of years, I think it's safe to say New Japan, for the most part, got the better of that agreement. They would come over... They would basically beat some of the stars. Take, they would lose once in a while, but New Japan stars were built as superior. That ain't going to fucking happen on you know, la- Tony yeah. promotion.
5: And the last couple times they came over for ROH, you'd get Los and the four of them. Yeah. You might get, like, Ishii. Sure. And one other guy, but you're not getting the classic War of the Worlds, the top right. New Japan guys coming
2: yeah. over anymore.
5: Yeah. Uh, it's now, it's it's in service to
4: that, AEW is now a major promotion with TNT and whereas the working promotion that they had with ROH was very one sided and basically if they sent over top tier talent to ROH, it'd be like a tree falling in the forest. What the hell did it matter?
2: Right. Well that's what I'm saying. So there's, there's, It can't be the same relationship they have with ROH. Like I just don't see that. I can't see fucking you know Ishii coming over here to fucking you know put down Cody Rhodes and you know call it a day. Oh, that was it. We beat well, him. He ain't shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know like, that's just not gonna happen.
4: Well, well, to go off on a different subject, ROH this week did open up a new relationship with somebody else. They actually reopened their relationship with the NWA this week. Mm. I don't know if you guys have seen this or not Nick Aldis actually posed as a camera guy at ringside and actually helped to make it so that Don Enterprises lost their six man titles mm. oh, interesting. So, oh wow I didn't hear about yeah. that yeah it's all part of him actually going after Marty Scroll and it's going to be part of bringing Marty Scroll back to um, NWA television so that they can actually have the continuance of their feud was actually on that same card against Roosh
2: Defended his title for the first time and was successful but Bill Enterprises lost the six man belt now what's interesting about this too is there's a rumor going around now too that Ring of Honor is uh, offering Marty Skrull WWE type money and not only that an agreement where he could work dates in New Japan NWA and possibly do some AEW as well like that's <laughs> fucking unheard of yeah but with that speculation, this
3: makes sense for them to open up the door to
2: the working Oh, that's what I'm saying. Call. That's why, yeah, I'm bringing that up because anyway. I could see that working out. And there is also rumor that Marty's been offered a main roster contract because main roster stars actually make more money than NXT guys because you're working more dates. So, Marty's scroll is a very hot... We're slipping into another conversation now, but Marty scroll is a very hot commodity at this point. Well, I think the supposed
5: contract that you're talking about, ROH offering him, that almost sounds like the best of all worlds right and something that we're into because we like that cross
2: promotion oh yeah 100 percent.
5: and if you could show up on roh if you can make that feud go across to nwa nwa is just growing as a product roh could use that boost you know well basically basically this
4: contract makes it so we can go everywhere but aew and
2: wwe i thought aew might have been aew is talked about as one of the potential he could even possibly work aew with that contract that's what's amazing about wow yeah that's why
5: i was saying it's almost like why would you not take that it's unheard of be a huge roh star but then also be this nwa (laughs) figurehead yeah
2: unless they're offering him hogan money i don't see how he's gonna all right yeah
5: but Marty Skrull's been big for like three, four years now. Really right. building on that character, building that brand.
2: And he the timing, deserves the money. The timing's perfect, too. Yeah. So good for him. Let's talk about some other companies, too. Let's talk about Chelsea Green from WWE, Allison K from MWA, Priscilla Kelly from Independence, Tara Coway. All these. Tara, Tara Coway, I'm not giving that name a lot of hints. But Billy Kelly's
4: actually an AEW a- a- now.
2: Okay, she does have LW stuff, too. I know that, too. Okay. A... Yeah, I, 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 mentioned...
3: I, just, I just thought I saw that she signed with
2: AEW. Well, I mentioned all these girls for, for a reason. Because they all work for different promotions, but they all have something in common. They all went, I don't know if you caught this AJ yesterday, and they all took Tessa Blancer to task. Did you happen to catch any of this?
4: I did not. By all
2: means, please. All right. So Tessa Blanchard put out a tweet. Not sure what it's about, but obviously maybe she wasn't feeling support is the only thing I can think of. She said it would be a great idea is if women in wrestling actually decided to support one each other. And then there were multiple tweets that came out. One being that support, like the time you slapped that black girl in Japan and called her the N-word. Another one was when you bullied people in the locker room. Another one was about causing a legit fight in a battle royal and then called all the girls trash in the locker room, and another fight broke out. It was multiple girls. Like, there's four girls right here that I got that from all different promotions, and that's not even the beginning. There is a laundry list of women coming out speaking up against Tessa right now. And I, I love Blanchard's name. I love the family. But where there's smoke, there's fire. <laughs> there's so many people. Clearly, this young girl must have some kind of attitude or something going on. Well,
4: speaking of Australia...
2: That's <laughs> a different fire, yeah. my bad. Yeah. Tessa Blanchard <laughs> has had this bad attitude basically labeled onto her since the day she's entered wrestling. Right. Nobody's ever said
3: that backstage she's one of the best people to work at. If you remember even the first May Young, the criticism of her was that she was immature and that she came across as not being a team player. Right. And it's basically she was a pain in the ass. I don't think, and it might be the reason why she works more with
2: men than she does with women. Is she might just not get along with women. Maybe. I mean, no. at the end of the day, too, let's like, the girl comes from a wrestling family. Wrestling families aren't the easiest on the life. They're divorced. She had to get another wrestler as her dad, and I'm not criticizing any of that, but like going through multiple households and having people that are on the road constantly. I mean, come on. I mean, that's not exactly the greatest life I imagine to live in world. No, tomorrow. no, Dave. And on that matter, if you like all of those excuses, you should check out my Is It a Work This Week. <laughs> because none of that actually means
4: shit when it comes to the way she treats other people. I'm not and saying...
2: Actually... I'm not giving Tessa a pass. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, you know, this is, this seems like, like, you know, we, we shouldn't be shocked by this, is my point. Plus,
4: and Tully. The fact, that, the fact that she smacked ACH backstage and actually called him the N-word.
2: I, no, nobody, nobody she said that. Man. We we said he said that to a woman, not ACH. Well, that's
5: why I assumed you were talking
4: about
2: ACH. No, 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 backstage. no. I just assumed
5: you were talking about a woman. <laughs> you got <laughs> ACH shit or him? something? Plus, she's also a Blanchard, and it's not like Tully was always, ever known for being... Yeah, Tully wasn't the nicest guy. So, maybe it's it's a personality trait. Like you said, it's not an excuse, but I mean, it's not like this is unbelievable.
2: Like, right, that's my point. We shouldn't be surprised by this, I guess.
4: Considering when people found out that Tully Planchard had found Jesus, the person they asked to be. Find a new attitude also. Um, I'm not surprised by
3: this at all. It's the way she's raised. She was raised to believe that she's entitled. She has acted entitled throughout the thing. Does it take away from her talent? Absolutely not. But let's face it, at the end of the day, she's got one of the worst reputations backstage out of any wrestler on the
4: planet right now. And I don't blame these other girls for taking her to task. If that's the way she's acting backstage, they should absolutely take her to
2: task. There was something that came out today. I forget who the girl was. Uh, she said there was an email that women of wrestling got not to speak out on the Tessa Blanchard situation, and she said that's why you might not hear even more people speak out. She's like, but I don't care. I forget who did. I should have took that down. But you know, apparently, there's a lot more of this coming out.
4: Now, as far as I'm concerned, normally I'm not a big fan of coming out on Twitter and talking about this stuff. But to me, Tessa Blanchard is the one who opened
5: up the door by saying that not yeah. enough people are getting support in the wrestling industry and that they're not helping each other out. Right. If you're going to open up Pandora's box,
3: you got to be ready for what's going to come out absolutely yeah and
5: that was my big problem with it is if you're going to complain about not being supported you have to be aware of how you have or have not supported the community and i think it's that hypocrisy that gets caught publicly that really is doing the damage and it's crazy because it's coming at such a bad time the weekend before her match with sammy callahan tonight where i mean she's expected to take the title
2: Mm -hmm.
4: I don't think there's any any coincidence to the timing there, to be honest with you, but I will tell you this, the fact that all of us in the past are supporters of Tessa Blanchard, even though we're supporters of her, I think quite frankly when Dave brought this up, none of us are actually shocked Mm -hmm. by what's being said, I think that
2: says everything. Honestly, I'm surprised you're uh, you're calling her out. I thought you were going to be a Blanchard Mark and kind of kiss their ass a little bit. I'm not going to lie. So,
4: no, that, no, absolutely not. As much fun as that sounds,
2: it, I, um, Yeah, kiss their ass is not too bad.
3: You're right. <laughs> as much fun as that sounds, at the end of the day, mm. what we do on this podcast that's different than a lot of podcasts is is we call it state to state. Well,
0: we don't go out. We don't go out there and candy coat things. Yeah. If somebody sucks, like bringing up the great Sasuke, it'd be easy when we talk about Sasuke to just go, "Yeah,
4: one of the great workers of all time, very entertaining, amazing in the ranks. He is all those things. But if a guy's a prick, like him or Mio Mastrez <laughs> or Tessa Blanchard, we're gonna call it a state of shame.
2: Well, I, also too. I was, I was gonna also. say I don't know if we've called a spade a spade, but I've called a broke bitch a broke bitch. <laughs> yeah, you know, also too. Speaking of opening, speaking of opening Panderos box too. If you're gonna call out ACH, you better be careful. You don't get some retaliation, and don't forget the super bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it,
4: if you, it, yeah, if you, he wants to call us out, that's perfectly fine. to oh, he's not right. wrestling anyway.
5: No, that's true. What else happened this... Oh, L.A. Park... Or not L.A. Park. Shit. La Parka died. Yeah. Now, if you're not confused, that's the one that landed on his neck in late November, not the one that's punching motherfuckers front row at MLW.
2: Right. You're two different people. Yes. Yeah. I, I am so lost on the La Parker timeline anyway. I know, so it's hard spin-offs. to explain
5: it to people because people tell you LaParka died and you're like, that's not the one you like. Right. But I know how it's confusing. Because like, he was
2: called the Parker. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to
5: say it's like Queensryche. It's like Journey. People leave the band, but you got two different people torn with the same fucking name. Yeah. Is this... Yeah, when El... When, LA, when, when the original Parka decided he was gonna be L.A. Park, he actually basically gave up the La Parker gimmick, and this guy came in and took the Leparka gimmick, from what I understand. Yeah, and he's not that, that much there. younger. So the younger one actually is the one that fell on his neck, broke his neck, and is dead. Yeah, died from a suicide dive. Uh, no irony there. That's real life. <laughs>
4: I, I, I believe that's Suicide Alicida or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> <remember. laughs>
5: Maybe that's... our Spanish friends can translate it for yeah. us. Now, yeah. if, we haven't, if we haven't
2: offended them yet. <laughs> oh, you know, speaking, of, speaking of
4: great Mexican wrestlers or
2: oh, Karanas, Scott Steiner
4: showed up at the end of NWA Power this week, the originator
5: of the Hurricane. <laughs> that was a really good episode, I thought. And bringing him out right at the end, it was one of the few NWA Powers lately that I haven't heard a lot of bitching from people about. I believe even Bob Cook liked it, and that's, that's high praise, because he does not like much from them. No, no. Lately.
2: Yeah.
4: Yeah, whereas well, I enjoyed this whole show. Everything from the sit down interview with our third degree uh, national champion and question mark, where he always reminds
5: us that it's Kera-da-da-da-da. And that's one of those silly things that NWA's doing that's highly entertaining. That's that right. third degree belt. I don't know how he keeps a straight face during those interviews, because that is just mm-hmm. comedy genius. Yeah, Aaron Stevens is fantastic.
4: Uh, He can work in the ring. He keeps up with everybody. His work rate's good. And he's able to keep a straight face with the horrible gimmicks and silly stuff that he does. The other thing was is the match quality this week. We had great matches out there. Yeah, I enjoyed the Nick Aldis match. I saw him and Ricky Starr tore the house down for six mm. minutes. I love the fact that they put those six-minute matches together.
2: I think it's great that
5: they have the time limits on there and that they hold them to it.
2: I also like um, the fact that we're leading to possibly a Ricky Morton-Nick Aldis match.
5: Yeah, how great was Ricky Morton this week? He's our guest, and he brings out fire on NWA Power. Yeah. Like, he told us to keep watching. You guys will hear the interview later. But yeah,
2: yeah. God, like... Yeah. Ricky should... also uh, let us know that he was going to be in Memphis for AEW. And here's... That was a heads
5: up. Yeah,
2: it was fucking 1,000% of me to want to fucking get on Twitter. Hey, Ricky Moore! But I'm like, oh, I don't think that's been announced yet. I don't think that was my job to do that. <laughs> well, here's another
4: thing that he did in that match that I've never seen from a baby face before. He came out at the end of the Ricky Star match, and he's like, yeah, let's let's give these guys five more minutes, and he looks like he's pushing for Ricky Star to get five more minutes. And when Nick Alda says no, he says...
2: Well, how about I get five minutes? (laughs) I've never seen a baby face actually (laughs) trying to get
5: themselves five minutes after the match. God, Ricky Morton could get what Ricky Morton wants at this point. That guy is... It's amazing at his age that he's still doing it with the passion that he still has and he said it in the interview and he said it on the show that he's stuck up for the boys yeah and that seems very important to him he seems like a wrestler's wrestler to me and i everybody will hear the interview but i thought it was amazing he did a great
4: job in the interview and then the other thing that he's doing right now is he's doing basically what chris jericho is doing He's taking the fact that maybe he's lost his step, and by maybe he's lost his step, I mean definitely he's lost his
3: step, and he is making up for it with the character and with the passion that he has out there. And it's just absolutely drawing people in, and it's incredible to see him evolve that way. Yeah,
5: and, like, one of the big things I took away from this interview also, I mean, not to get ahead of ourselves, but he also put over mm. Santana and Ortiz. Right. And it was nice to hear who this guy's favorite up-and-coming tag team was, especially when they're almost, like, nipping at the rock and roll's heels.
2: Yeah, he will respond to that. Well, he, makes also, you, pull off. he also gives a peek behind the curtain for us because he
4: talks very highly about Tom Lattimore, the former Bram, yeah. and he talks about how good he is in the ring And for him to be going up against him, obviously, on power right now and going up against that group, and for him to talk about how positively, behind the scenes, how good of a worker this gentleman is, I think that gives you another glimpse into how much Ricky cares
2: about the business. He's no ACH, though. (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, well, ACH will
2: bury a motherfucker. <laughs> so, did, um, I think we got one other thing on our list this week. We want to talk about Matt Hardy and the potential free agency, and maybe Matt Hardy possibly going to AEW, and a storyline that's been floated out there is maybe Matt Hardy leading the Dark Order. Well,
4: Matt Hardy, to me,
2: I, I have no problem with Matt Hardy leading the Dark Order,
4: but to me, Matt Hardy needs to go somewhere where they're going to let him be creatively what he can be. We all knew that when he came back for the money with the WWE, that
5: creatively he was gonna get stifled. I don't think anybody thought the WWE was gonna let him come in and actually really do what he's capable of doing because that's not what the WWE does. I had high hopes. I thought they were gonna, I was hoping they'd put production behind that idea and take it to the next level. And it's one of the very few things that impacted better And I really miss that time where Hardy and his brother were in Impact putting out those videos. You knew that every week you were going to get something crazy. And I'd like to see them make a return with AEW and hopefully live out that promise that I saw with the WWE. Well, I think the reason why he got to do what he did in Impact was because nobody was watching the asylum. So you're talking about the inmates just basically running around and doing what they want to do. And with nobody in control of the booking in that time period, basically they said, all right, go for it. (laughs) And he was able to be as creative as he wanted to be. Unfortunately, when you get to the WWE, there's one person who's always going to be there to nip anything creative in the butt, and that's Vince McMahon. You might remember him. He was my asshole of the week last week. And it's one of those things where when you're running through him for everything. Vince is now in his 70s. And at some point, he's gotta have a grasp that he does not have the best creative anymore to try and get a Mm. hold of a 20, 30-year-old crowd, if you know what I mean. Well, Well, actually, I'm gonna take this a step further and move from Matt Hardy to a bonus subject. We're near the end of the NFL season. That means the start of the XFL season mm. is coming up. Could that affect the amount of time Vince puts into the wrestling, Yes. will he be just as involved in both? Do, what do you guys think? How do you guys think the XFL is going to affect wrestling? Going it's it's got to
2: affect it. We don't know how it's going to affect it, but it's got to. It's got to change. I've been saying this for a while. Like When Fox was going to get involved, they are eventually going to AEW, Fox, and Indiana the XFL. All three of those things are going to change wrestling. NXT's gone live now. That was a good thing that happened box that's a work in progress you know we brought in eric bischoff just to fire his ass smackdown i'm not been a fan of but things are changing you can see the show to bring in certain people back i did like morrison coming back but yeah where it is this is going to go i mean we hear things about vince mcmahon missing raws and stuff once in a while now that never used to happen so i i don't know aj if you got an idea of where this is going i don't but i definitely think we're going to be in for change good or bad we'll, we'll find out well i think it says uh,
4: what you need to know about the situation when people are hoping that something pulls Vince McMahon away. Sure. When something like the XFL comes Ooh. out or NXT comes up and everybody's sitting there crossing their fingers and hoping that it's pulling Vince away from the product, Yeah. that tells you something. Because I remember in the old days when WWE Attitude Era or even if you go back to the beginning of Hulkamania, everybody talked about Vince McMahon like a genius. And now basically we've gotten to a point where we like, oh my God, for the love of God, something pulled him away.
2: Let it be the XFL. Let it be NXT. Let it be the Grim Reaper. My God, something
4: pulled him away so that we can actually
2: have wrestling. I heard this, and I wanted to get your insight on this. Wrestling Observer, NXT I think didn't do its. There's sells any favors putting on that award show a couple weeks ago. And I don't think they gained much momentum this week, whereas AEW's been on fire. But NXT's put on a solid wrestling show, nonetheless. Mike Sempervini, a wrestling observer, had this point. He was like, you know, people complain about the Nightmare Collective. They complain about the Dark Order. They complain about the Lana Rusev Lashley married segment. But that was the highest fucking segment on Raw a few weeks ago. But then when it comes to good old classic wrestling like NXT, he said all these people to complain that this is what they want. They want classic, good, real wrestling. They don't show up to watch it. So is this why we can't have nice things? <laughs> okay, wait a minute. First
4: of all, we are getting people tuning into the wrestling. NXT did not do themselves a favor. You never take a week
2: off. When you're red hot, yeah. you don't
4: take a week off. They should
2: have put something out. I agree. Uh, they put something out that, on Christmas that, that was, week. That was where they shot themselves. Exactly. The they I mean, actually had momentum with Christmas week. Like, they put on a tape show that was good enough. If they had built up on Christmas week, hey, we got a live hot show next week coming up. I think this would be a different story right now. Hey, you're well, changing- not only
5: that, but if you remember the week before that, they had won the
2: ratings for the first time. Hey, your favorite
5: podcast put out a Christmas and New Year's episode. Mm. We didn't miss shit.
3: No.
2: And that goes to AEW NXT. We don't take, no days off here, baby. Yeah, exactly. Don't right. forget the super, bitch. <laughs> that, God,
5: that's that's going to be our tagline soon
2: podcast. enough. Uh. But here's the thing that they're forgetting. Monday Night Raw with Lana and that crap is up against nothing. There's
1: nothing on opposite it. Right. Same thing with SmackDown. When you're on Wednesday night, if you don't continue to produce every week right. and don't continue to put something out there, and somebody goes away for one week to the other show, it's awful hard to get them to switch back. So sure. I disagree with them. I don't think it's that people
2: are tuning away from the wrestling. I think that what happened was is people tuned into the other show with wrestling, and now it's now you got to get them to switch back. Right. Yeah. And, and honestly, I mean NXT, for all we know, like they just maybe they have a cool head. Maybe they're like guys. We won the ratings before. Let's slow it down. We don't want to rush our product, and we're going to have a big show coming up, and they'll start to tune in. Maybe, maybe that's the plan. I don't know.
4: Yeah, and they've got the big shows coming up. Now you've got coming up at the next takeover. You're
2: going to have Keith Lee going for the American title. Yep. That's that's going to be a big match. I think that people want to see a belt on Keith Lee. Yeah. Does he need it? I don't think so, but people want to see it. I thought you must have been. Keith Lee. I thought you were probably in heaven in that first segment when Tony Storm came out and talked about wanting to win the title on the UK show today. Actually, it's going on right now, and then challenge for the NXT belt as well. I was like, this is exactly what you've been wanting. Yeah, we've been clear about even, Tony Storm's ass here. So
4: yeah. <laughs> I, di- I didn't even realize that there was a promo cut. I was a little hypnotized. And then afterwards, I went back and watched it, and it was a really good
2: promo. We're going to wrap this up, I think. I think we've blabbed on enough. we got a Ricky Morton interview coming up. Is there anything else anybody wants to add real quick before I... No, I think we're good. This is the Working Fans Podcast. Thank you.
0: Hello, this is Ricky Morton of the Rock and Roll Express, and you are listening to the Working Fan
2: Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Working Fans Podcast with Dave and AJ, and today we got National Wrestling Alliance great, the one and only nine-time tag team champion with Robert Gibson, the ultimate babyface, Ricky Morton of the Rock and Roll Express. Ricky, how you doing, man? Man, uh...
0: I'm doing real good, bud. Thank you for having me on your show today. You know, it's just another uh, day at the office, my friend.
2: Awesome. Awesome to hear, man. Let's we'll just start right in the beginning. You trained with your father and a guy named Ken Lucas. So, Paul Morton, Ken Lucas, how was it breaking into business?
0: Well, you know, coming from a wrestling family, uh, when, I, when I first started, you know, the whole business was different. Really sacred. Uh, it's hard. It was hard to get in. And, and don't wait. It just cause my dad was a wrestler or a referee, that that I had it easy in any way. Matter of fact, I think it was just a little bit harder. The same thing, you know, my son wants to be a wrestler and it's hard to get your family into the business once you're in there. I mean, for certain people it is anyway. Uh, my dad, uh, he spent uh, all his life in the wrestling business. He wrestled in the fifties and sixties, and then uh, he refereed for uh, the Memphis Wrestling in On uh, his times when I broke into the business, he uh, was uh earlier about Ken Lucas. But before that route, you know, I went, I had a lot of them. You know, you, you learn. About I was with partners with a guy named Sonny King. Uh, then Eddie Gilbert was partners uh, oh. before me, and. And Lucas were. Uh, yeah, I've been anywhere in Oklahoma Territory together with Leroy McGurk. Skander Atmar was the booker. And then I left there and I went back to Memphis. And that's when me and Ken Lucas teamed up. Katie and I, we went to San Antonio the Southwest Championship Wrestling that was owned by Tully Blanchard's dad, Joe Blanchard. And then that's where I first met Tully. Matter of fact, him and Gino Hernandez were partners at that time. And me and Ken Lucas did that. But, you know, having, you know, when people. A lot of times tell me, Ricky Morton, you're one of the greatest baby faces in the world. But, but what people don't understand is they don't go back and they don't understand the history of professional wrestling. Ken Lucas is one of the greatest baby faces of all time in our business. He just said we got the recognition. Nowadays, the people don't know him or knew who he is. Once you get a chance to check him out, Go back in the days and uh, look up Ken Lucas. Man, I'm telling you, he'll really blow your mind in our business by telling a story. The psychology of the ring. He was one of the best I ever worked from, man. And he was, to me, he was the greatest of all. Huh.
1: Hi Ricky, my name is AJ, I'm the co-host. I actually wrestled for 10 years. I trained with Adrian Street many, many years ago, and then worked through a lot of the um, South and then up here in the Northeast. And I am like yourself, I'm, I'm gonna be a little quieter than I normally am, Because to me, this is an opportunity to sit under the learning tree. It's the reason why I actually listen to the School of Mormon podcast every week. Because quite frankly, everything that you say means so much. And I've watched old footage of you and Ken Lucas teaming up together and actually working matches. And I think one of the things that we're missing today is they don't tell the story. People don't work the body parts anymore. They don't work the crowd the same way. And the reason why you were such a great baby face, in my opinion, was just the sympathy that you drew from having those body parts worked over on you and the way you bumped your ass off in the ring. So, Ricky, I just wanted to say thank you for that, and thank you for being on this podcast.
3: Yeah, you know what,
0: AJ? Thank you for mentioning that. And you see, I do have my lessons too. And, And I try to tell people, this is really hard. It's just one simple thing. It's really hard to make the guys to understand that you do, you got to understand our business before you can even do it. Matter of fact, I was at WrestleCade uh, back at Thanksgiving time, which we had, you know, what I'm saying is but they had the night, on a Friday night, they had, like, a lot of the promoters brought some of their top guys in to wrestle. And, you know, I, I wasn't doing nothing. So I walked over to the Civic Center, and I was going to sit down and watch some of the match. And it really just blew my mind. You know, the first match, I think, it started in with was a Hurricane off the top rope to the
3: floor.
0: <laughs> And then I'm thinking to myself, where the hell are you gonna, gonna go from here? Nobody knows. And then I, you know, after the second <laughs> match, you know, I, they asked me, so where are you going? I said, dude, I feel like I'm watching Andy Griffith rerun. Every match is the same. You're all doing the same hot spots. You're trying to outdo each other. And the one simplest thing that none of you have did all night, I haven't seen one of you grab a wrestling coat. Not a headlock, not an arm. Right. It's just like you got a playbook. Written on your arm, hot spot number one, hot spot number two, hot spot number three, and, and none of it means nothing, you know. To the average wrestling fan that is today, you know, to them, I don't know. But if you go back in the era of, especially when we worked the Midnight Express and when we worked the, the Four Horsemen, Robert, Nine, and and me, Russell, and Rick Flair, we told a story. Uh, you know, but, you know before, and this is r- r- really funny, you know, because we never. And I'm going back to the thing, uh, you know, I mean, I tell you a lot about how the business used to be. No, I didn't walk 20 miles barefooted in snow <laughs> in town. No, I, nothing like that. But what I'm saying is, it's the, you know, the baby faces and heels never talked. You ever seen that? Right. Uh, we were on separate sides of the, of the building. Matter of fact, you get fired if you didn't get close to a baby face or, here you know, because our business was sacred. Nine out of ten times, unless you was at TV, but you didn't go in the back. All you got was a finish. Me and Robert walking to the ring is normally when we got our finish. And it wasn't this, and you got to do that. It's babyface is over or the heels over. That's all they told you. We'd go out and do our shows. But you see, it's just a different time, different place for our business. But with the, you the know, entertainment part of it, like you know, you watch WWE, you watch these right here. And sometimes, to me, I really get lost just wondering what they're going to do next. And what I really blows my mind is, is I wonder if it, a lot of people have you got really, really serious, seriously hurt more than what they are. And it's going to happen.
1: Oh, yeah. It, it's really going
0: to happen. I'm, uh, because the guys don't know how to take care of each other no more. I see them on there sometimes. just kick the brains out. And there's no need for that. If you know how to work in our business, you don't have to do that. And, that, and something's going to have to change somewhere around the time. And, and when it does, that's when Ricky Morton's going to step in. <laughs> you know, uh, To let these guys understand, I know it's more of our business, uh, than, you know, I, I was watching TV the other night and I uh, told my wife and I says, well, this guy here is going like to do a big, something really spectacular. She said, how you know? I said, there's 20 guys on the floor going to catch it.
2: Right,
1: right. So, uh,
0: yeah, it, man, didn't that? Uh, it's things just case Well, looking forward, uh, you
1: know how you doing, one guys? And I, I know that y'all asked some questions. But, no, 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 please, Ricky.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, no, I was just gonna uh, mention. You know, I, you know, the new year, two thousand twenty, but man, two thousand nineteen, and, and you, if you go back to TUC, NWA, and you see that, but last year, I think Robert and I, at me being sixty-three years old had one of the greatest years we had the business
2: right you yeah know, I,
0: I was never on a contract never had a contract in my life made a lot of people rich and this is what some nobody understands i uh you know i stood up to boys in my day and it's not the guys in my era or the guys after that it's the guys right now in our business that respect what robert and i've done it, 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 I don't know. You know. A lot of times, you, you know, I have, I have. I try to get a job at big company. So Not to wrestle, but to work in the back. And it's like I'm a threat to a lot of people. But when you go into the today, when they call us in, it's so much respect that these young kids, that don't have to, that show Robert and I some of the greatest respect. And they listen to a lot of things that, that uh, I'm talking about. Uh, I just, uh, I'm hoping that 2020 is the top, 2019, especially being at the age I am, because I'm not here in this business to to prove a point. I'm not here to be somebody that I'm not. I still depend on wrestling for a living. Like you said, dude, my biggest year in the wrestling business was $125,000, and that was in 1985. I'm hoping, to see, that's what I'm saying. And I paid the Robert and I did. I, I we paid the rose because I wanted, back in 1985 and 86, I knew that our wrestlers business, some of our people could be as famous as some of these great football players or great athletes in our business, and what it come to, but see, we got left behind because I'm the one that took the heat for everybody. You know, I, I mean, and I did, I, I told promoters, I felt. I stuck up for the boys, and I, and, but a lot of it is too, but it's I didn't, it's my fault because I didn't, I wouldn't uh, Political. I didn't go back over again and get my education, get my education a lot better. Uh, I wasn't educated
3: enough to know what was really going on, but I was educated enough to know that I fought
0: for the boys. Yeah, to get them where they're at
2: today. It's funny, like you were saying, it almost seems like wrestling reflects society in a way. Everybody is nicer and more respectful on one hand, which is really nice. Like, in a sense, I think you do have a lot more understanding in the world now than you did maybe years ago. But on the flip side of that, everything is so fast-paced. And, you know, like, you watch a TV series, now you can watch a whole season in, like, you know, one sitting. You can just spend, all, like, Netflix will just down you a whole load a whole series. And I feel like Wrestling is kind of that way, too. It's just everything is, like, fast, fast. And there's all this crazy stuff happening, like you said. But when I was a kid, I was more glued to it because, you know, you only had wrestling once a week, TV, a lot of enhancement matches. Maybe you get one big main event match, and then you had to go to the arena or buy a pay-per-view. And it just meant more because you had to wait. There wasn't so much of it.
0: Yeah, but you know what? And and I thought about the same thing. But if these guys would... Slow down a little bit, making something happen, everything happened in one night. You yeah. read a great book. You know, you read a great book, but if normally when you write a book, you write the finish first. You know, the ending of the book is written before the rest of the book is. So uh, if they could sit down and just work, keep you interested in that whole program, like a book does, until you get to the finish. But now it, it, it seems like they just, they're trying to, I mean, they write the whole book in one night. And if it ain't working, they change to something else. <laughs> this is my opinion. You know, thing well, is like your ass. Everybody's got one. <laughs> right,
1: well, right. Well, Rick, I think it also goes um, back yeah, to you know? back to what you were talking you. about when you were talking before. You mentioned the fact that you'll watch the first match and you see somebody doing one of those super hurricanerana flippity flu things in the first match, and you don't go to a movie or a book and see the biggest action happen in the first match, the second match. Back in the good old days, and I love to say that, when wrestling was wrestling and not sports entertainment, what we did was we built matches and built up a storyline to the main event. You weren't trying oh, to yes. you weren't trying to have
0: well, you know when I <laughs> when I started in the business, like, well, you know, when I first went to Memphis Territory and the yeah, you know, the Memphis Territory was the hottest wrestling bed ever in its time when you had territories. Memphis Coliseum, you know, every Monday night, it was sold out. Every Tuesday, Louisville, you know, Wednesday, Evansville, but these buildings, you know, we didn't, it's like, they didn't come to your town once a year. They sold out every week. Could you imagine WWE coming to the same town every Monday night and doing Monday Night Raw? Sure. <laughs>
3: right. How many people would you have out in the crowd? Oh,
0: yes. Okay. It ain't gonna happen. By, yeah. About six weeks, you'd be able to throw a hand grenade in there. It wouldn't hurt nobody.
1: Right. They're having trouble selling out is, doing what they're doing. But
0: but what I'm trying to say is now, in the business, when I was in Memphis, if you were in the first match, you, ought, you never do a punch. You worked the headlock. Second match, maybe the arm. Third match, maybe that. Then you had your semi main event, which was an angle on TV, maybe a tag team. But then you had your main event, Lawler, or Dundee, whatever it was. And that's just the way it was. You know, even my wrestlers, because I, I try to teach these guys, and I just mentioned this. Even right now, if you watch me wrestle, even though if I'm in there, I will always start my match off just to work up for me to ball my fist up. And you know, instead of me just going to ring my fist up throwing punches, doing it, you know, I would go to two or three things where I'm outsmarting the hill, then the the hill does something mean, or cheese, and he gives me a reason just, just to ball my fist up. And to try to make people understand that. And man, gosh, I'd be better off winning a lottery, I guess. (laughs) Uh, We have, uh, but don't get me wrong, dude, I mean, uh, I absolutely adore this business. I mean, I love it. There's nothing, you know, they had a saying, you know, if you love what you do, you never work a day of your life. Absolutely. Well, that's a bunch of bullshit. Uh, <laughs>
2: that's good to know. <laughs> that's a bunch of
0: bullshit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, tell, I told somebody the other day, man, I says, I wrestle for free. I get paid for traveling. All right. And I, yeah, I do. I mean, I love my business. And, you know, it's, and it's hard, you know, along the road. You know, in and, and five when you work for territories, you never had a day off. Uh, and I'm serious. Uh, I can remember the times that Rick and I, I man, we, you know, I think 17 days in a row, we went an hour time limit. And that was two on Saturday and two on Sunday. Not counting the TV on Saturday morning. <laughs> but, you know, it's just the, the way it was. I mean, that's the way territories are fought, and you got paid by how many bucks you put in the seats and you, and you got paid? You know, the boys depended on you. Uh, you know, I didn't work main event just because I was there, you know, and I, I learned. You can tell you something, dude. I might, you know, Dusty Rhodes was a booker and I learned so much from Dusty. It's unbelievable. One day I'll be able to have my ability, somebody will harm me. To show what I know in this business, but don't get me wrong. We went not we did not always get along together. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. We had our, we had our pluses, but you know, I got to say that it was great because we all depended on each other.
2: I gotta tell you, before I forget, I want to get this out. I'm 43 years old, and I saw you, Russell. You know, as a young man, but I can't believe. I've seen you live twice, and it was both in 2019. <laughs> I saw you at <laughs> I saw you at an independent show of Beyond Wrestling in New Japan. So when you talk about still going strong, like it's it's crazy, man. Oh, man
0: like, you see us, what show did you see me at New Japan? The Mass Show. Yeah, man, that was really cool. up there That night we wrestled Chase Owens. Yep, yep. And uh, this guy, you know, Chase is one of my students from my yeah, school. school Chase is out. Uh, One of the few and far between. He has a good thing going in Japan, but god man, he can work a match. So unbelievable, uh, and tell that story, but, but I took a lot of time with him. Uh, but thank you. You know what? That's... Really killing I hope to get to see them more. You know, we uh, New Japan's got to be back here. We we were, we were going to be forming the twenty fourth, but we got to do NWA. We have to do a whole other season of tape on twenty fourth, twenty fifth, and twenty sixth. But then we leave straight there. We go to New Japan shows again. Matter of fact, I think we're going to be in Raleigh, Miami, and uh, Nashville, Atlanta. And Ricky, so I'm looking forward to that, R-
2: huh? Ricky. How do you feel about the NWA being back? Is that got to be
0: exciting? And, and see, and it's another thing. You know, and stop and think about this. It's not me trying to be something that I'm not. Like, I'm, I am keep repeating myself. Uh-huh. When they tell us they're going to put the belts on us, I, I really was spectacle of it. But then, then I understood what they were doing. Okay? Man, you keep watching this series because I don't give spoilers. works, but it works until where me and Nick Addis has a match. It's really cool. I want you guys to watch that. Night. Oh yeah, we've
1: been watching every week. We saw this Tuesday. We saw you come out at the end, and you stole the show. Yeah, with your just the altercation. Yes, and uh, and you see, uh, and this is what really listen to this right here. It's like those
0: guys that work there. You know, Wild call Thomas. Yep. Oh, absolutely. Um, yes. See, a lot of people just don't understand how good he is, and you and you see it's not what he does it's what he don't do when i get in the ring with him this is my talk i really don't like you know and i still i still can't say bro i ain't bullshit i uh i still believe in my business but there's some things that he does in the in the ring with me that makes me look like i'm 19 years old because he knows and i and i, and I didn't have to tell it and that's what i like about it's what our business is missing today, and a lot of you guys, everybody listen, it ain't what you do, it's what you don't do. And uh, it's the greatest things in the world. Keep watching NWA because it only gets better. I promise you it does. It, it, they have a lot of great talent on there, guys. A lot of great talent, and I love to sit in the back and just watch them. They do a lot of great things on there, and, and and I don't know how far to go, but I hope it lasts forever, because right now it's a great, great show. Great ratings, and I know that the, the pay-per-view, they was hoping for this much, and it sits, they got
3: six times that. Oh, nice. So I
1: thought it was pretty good, yes. Ricky, one of the things that I appreciate that you're doing is that you don't go too far into it, and that you do keep some of the mystique that is the wrestling. Having worked for the 10 years, one of the things that I told these guys when we started the podcast was is that I will never go into exactly what we do, what kind of things we communicate with each other, how we do things in the ring. And the reason why I don't do that is because at the end of the day, it's like a great magician. You don't go to a magic show wanting to know how to do the trick. You go to a magic show to be entertained. And if we tell everybody every little thing that we do and how we do it, it takes away from the wrestling that we love so much.
0: Yeah, but, yeah, but but you see, man, down days everywhere you go and, and I hate this guys
1: walk up to you and they think that they're giving you the wrestler's handshake oh they god I hate that damn, <laughs> they don't have a damn clue what it even means <laughs> <laughs> and they look at you
3: like like I post uh, look here bud you you don't have a clue what you just did to me yeah. uh,
0: you don't even you don't you don't even
3: understand what that means whoever told you what that means or they are the ones that trained you they have no business even training you I agree
0: I meet a lot of guys you know and, and, if, you, and if you're interested in being a professional wrestler you have to go to somebody that knows what they're doing, how to train you, you just can't go. I talk to people all time. Who trained you? So and so. What the hell is this place at? Or what's this guy's name? I never even heard him before. What's he doing training you? What company did you ever work for? And it's you know it's nothing, and and then they expect to get in the ring with me, and it don't happen. But you know, every now and then, buddy, I, I hit the lottery. I get in the ring with with some guys that are really phenomenal, and I and I'm gonna say one of them right now is Santana and. uh you know the Lex used to be well, and uh, I'm going to campaign my business too. But I'm going to tell you this: uh those two guys—they wherever they got and wherever they go—and they deserve it. They are absolutely phenomenal in the ring. Wow! And it's yeah, and I'm serious. The great matter of fact is, I guess they're the ones who put Robert and I back on the map, really, to tell you the truth. And uh i don't have uh i'm not ashamed to say that they're a real big deal in aew which uh next wednesday night i will be back oh no kidding awesome uh, on, yeah next next wednesday the 8th, i'll be back on aew i'm looking forward to going there because what i'm saying to you Remember is the guys down. now that still take care of rubber now because and what i was telling you earlier i don't know if i'll finish it i still depend all wrestling to make a living, guys, right, right. And, and I do. I, and like I was telling you earlier, I just not, not be being on TV trying to be something that I'm not. It's just the only thing I know. Like, you know, I'm not a doctor. I don't have a doctor's degree. I, you know, I barely have a high school education. But wrestling, I have a PhD, in and these guys, these days, and that, and that's what I appreciate. They're the ones that take care of this NWA, all these guys, and they and they treat me with the most up. Uh, Right respect that you could ever imagine, fellas. And don't think I don't ever appreciate that. And don't think that, that before I leave that building, I'll let everybody in that building know how I feel. Meet a lot of young guys with a lot of great talent on the independent circuit. But our business is not based on, which I'm going back to the because it's not based on what you do. It's just being at the right place at the right time. And, and being at the right place at the right time is when somebody asks you, To do something, you know how to do it. There's no questions asked. There's nothing that you know what they're talking about and know how to do it. Because that's how you get our jobs. You know, I I was, something I was saying, people like me and people like it in our wrestling business. I even say this, even Hunter Hensley, even Washington, he he can know if you know how to work it out. But see, you don't go in a ring and start to match up with Hurricane Karina. You understand me? I, I can look at guys and tell them if they know how to work or not. i look at guys and tell them if I'm going to do anything that night because I don't want them to hurt me. You know, I, I still got to wrestle next weekend to pay my bills. And uh, that's just the way, uh, I don't know what track I got off on, but... Buddy,
1: I'm I'm way out there right now. Okay. Ricky's speaking of being in the right place at the right time. We did an interview yeah. earlier today with um, Nikita Koloff, and yeah. he was telling us a story. And he didn't tell us the full story because he said you tell the story much better than he does. Where as a very green and young Nikita was in the ring for the one of his first couple matches that he
3: got oh, to no wrestle. One, I the, could take it. I could take it over from here. No, go, ahead, go ahead. I can take it. I
0: know exactly where you're going to uh, <laughs> Robert and there. you know, at the time when we come into NWA, Nikita was there, but he hadn't been, you had know, to be in a ring to work and learn our business, it takes you a long time, we were doing most of the work with Barry Dorso and Ivan Koloff, and uh here comes Nikita in the ring, and is it alright to say, I mean, I, I have said a couple of bad words, you Ricky, can, you, now, can say oh, you can say you anything
2: you want, yeah, anything, it's all good. Uh,
0: I get in the ring, I start to match off with Nikita, and I lock up with him, and see, this is the part about training, God, man, he headbutted me so hard, I almost knocked me out, and I went, holy crap, you know, and I rubbed my head, and I went, okay, uh, accident, you know what I'm saying, yeah. and uh, then I locked up with him again, headbutted me again,
3: oh.
0: uh, holy crap. And minute I tell you another good story, but remind uh, <laughs> me another one. That buttered me again, and I walked through, I was rubbing my head, and I walked over to Robert, and I said, Robert, and I said, pull this big son of a bitch off me. <laughs> <laughs> I went to lock up with him again. When you do, I threw my elbow up there, and it hit him in the eye, and it split his eye wide open. Oh, man. He was cussing, hollering, and screaming, and fighting, blah, blah, blah. But then when I locked up with him the third time, he had that head all the way back.
3: Uh, didn't,
0: he didn't head headbutt me no more. There you <laughs> <go>. all right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hope that's what he told you. Oh,
3: yeah.
0: So. Uh, another one like that, uh, Johnny, at uh, this time, you know, this is uh, LBJ. He used to wrestle as Johnny Hawk. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. When we first broke into business. Oh, yeah. And, uh, that's when we were at Crockett. That's when he moved to Dallas. Took, you know, NW, went to Dallas after WCW and bought him out. You know, all that stuff, so forgot, me and Robert worked working with him and, and somebody. And he told you know, I'm not a, that kind of guy. I'm not a, <laughs> cause he's a big bad dude. You hear me? <laughs> uh, so I told him, I said, smash the hell I give me a big towel. Well, but he hit that rope and he hit me so hard that I, it, it damn near knocked me through the ropes to the floor. And the same thing, I uh, rode back in the ring and I told Robert, I said, come in here and pull this son of a bitch off me. <laughs> And I told him, I says, he got me his turnbuckle, and I said, man, give me a turnbuckle, come charging as fast as he can. And when he come charging as fast as he can, I come out of that turnbuckle, and I hit him, or his
3: eye,
0: right in the mouth. <laughs> but boom, but you see, he's a big, tough, bad guy. And then when I hit him real hard, he, he looked at me, so pitiful, and he goes... <laughs> What did you do that for? <laughs> and, I, and I looked at him. I went, because I says, well, because I'm just a dumb son of a bitch, I guess. I'm just, you <laughs> hear, I'm just, you didn't face it. You understand me? And he goes, was that a receipt? I says, yeah, I think so. Then I walked over to Tag Roberts.
1: Oh, man. <laughs> but uh, if, you ever see,
0: if you ever see him, ask him about that. I mean, it's really a great story.
2: Awesome. One other thing I want to ask you too because you were talking about your school and you talk about training people think uh, we had Al Snow on here uh, about a couple months ago and he runs a school down uh, Ohio Valley wrestling. oh
0: yeah
2: yeah and he was telling us the same thing basically that there's a lot of people who probably shouldn't be training today and that back in the day that you were a reflection of where you came from that he said if he did anything wrong even to this day like he would hear about it from his trainer and you get blackballed.
0: So what? See my day. What the, I worked the territory. Yeah, and I, I'm talking about guys like you were tough. Gypsy Joe, all them guys. They would give you uh, one spot, and if you messed it up, they didn't hurt you, but they just ate your lunch. Mm. They chopped you hard. They hit you across the back hard, and you didn't get another one, another spot. You hear me? Yeah. And that's the same thing. That's the way. That's what you did learn. I said a lot of crazy stuff in this business. Uh but, you know, when you was one in, in the business, you know, he didn't try to hurt you, but he tried to make you learn. And yeah, and, you know, it, it's like me when I send some of my guys out. Eat, it's my responsibility to make them do that. You know, uh, matter of fact, one of my guys went to Al Snow's ring of bonkers. His name's Luscious Lawrence. You get a chance to check him out. He's unbelievable. He's going to be one. He's going to be a superstar in our business. You know, I I have a a little school down here in Chucky Tennessee, out in the middle of nowhere, where we train three times a week. But it's for the boys. You know, they go for me, and I I was glad that he went to Ohio Valley to get out because uh, he gets more exposure. And if you guys get a chance, man, uh, maybe uh, you know what? Probably this Sunday we'll have a live show. On oh, YouTube, I have a lot of shows on YouTube. Pop, the School of Morton, we do a lot of stuff on there, man. We have our own production. We have, better fact, we come on CW TV Eastern Time every Saturday at twelve thirty. We do a lot. I have a lot of good guys there that you know want, man, and I just and I just want them to live out their dreams. Even if they don't make it, I can give them a chance because my thing is to teach them about no matter what you become or what you do. Is to never give up. When I first broke into business, I was told that I would ne- m- never make it in the business. I was too small. Which at the time, lesson was different. You know, you didn't have the big bodybuilder guys. Which what you did, a few of them, but a lot of them were four, five hundred pounds, just big old guys. And, mm. and you see, our our business did change for the best because that. Because nowadays, even though we're our entertainment. Dude, if you're not in physical shape, if you're not a real professional athlete, you're not going to make it five minutes in the ring. You have to train, you know. Uh, I guess AJ, you you can understand me. You had to train to take bumps. You just yeah. can't go in the ring and do. You know, I, I have uh, guys that come into my school every now and then. You you know, you you'll have a prick that walks in there that thinks he <laughs> knows everything. And I want to be a professional wrestler, and I, uh, I said, okay, uh, really? Yeah, I, I can get out to do this. Anybody get
3: this? Oh, and Jesus. I,
0: and, and I don't know and uh, you know I just told myself I right, just roll in the ring and I just want you to hit the ropes 20 times
3: <laughs>
0: okay and I know and if you're a wrestler you know what I'm talking about oh yes and you never hit them ropes look here about Ooh. that 8th time he hit it he eight, rolled out of the ring grabbed his phone he says oh I have an emergency I gotta go <laughs> uh, and uh, he Yeah, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, Yeah.
1: Yeah, you got to go, bro. Back to what you were talking about, Ricky. When I trained with Adrian Street, he had that old-fashioned mentality of training, and it was a good way of training that he would give me, he would teach me the holds, and he would teach me, obviously, how to take bumps and stuff of that nature, but if I didn't do holds right with him, he would sink it in a little deeper on me, or he would change the angle a little bit, and next thing you know, I was hooting and hollering like a little schoolgirl. <laughs> and I'm 6'3", 280 pounds.
0: Have yeah, dun- <laughs> <laughs> heard about the dungeon from Stu Hart? Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Oh, yes. You know, I have a dungeon in my school, but I don't use it for that. You know, the world's changed now. I'm planning on yeah, this year. You know, Adrian, you know, and, and everybody didn't know, you know,
3: Adrian was a tough guy. And I'm telling you what, Linda was tougher than him. Oh.
0: oh, we heard, yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh yes, his, his wife. I absolutely love Adrian, man.
1: Ha- have been I- gone out for drinks sure. with the two of them? Yeah. <laughs> I
0: was in the era where I got to work with him a lot, in Memphis and in Louisiana. Adrian's the only guy in the world I know that could, make, could work your cheek <laughs> in a match. He ever did that to you?
1: Oh, God, yes. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, oh absolutely.
0: Cheek. Some of the greatest stuff in the world that nobody even imagined that made a difference.
1: I'll tell you, uh, people thought that I was making up some of the stuff that I told them about my training with Adrian Street, and then they had WWF did that special this year on Adrian Street, and he talked about the stuff yes. that he did that these guys didn't realize that he had done, and they're like, holy shit, you were telling the truth, because they couldn't believe oh, yes. he did that. And
0: you know, you know, you have that, <laughs> you know, that over in England and all that, place. Adrian Street, man, he was one of those guys, you know, he was a killer. You know, I first met uh, Adrian. Did he
3: ever tell you about the Russian pretzel hoat? Oh,
1: God. Please. Oh, oh. oh. that's just <laughs> a nightmare. Oh, my God. I'm having flashbacks.
0: Well, this is what I call it, the Russian pretzel hoat, because, you know, once uh, Adrian put it on you, you you could get out of it. And Adrian did. He got it on me, and then I got out of it. And he asked me, he says, how did you get out of it? I said, well, first of all, Adrian, when you put that on me... I looked up and I seen a big set of (laughs) balls.
3: It's
0: amazing what you do when you bite your own
3: nuts.
1: Exactly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It, oh. But no, I, I, guys! I hope I hope it didn't nobody. Else. No, oh, please,
1: awesome. Ricky. When he put me in it, it was like being in a, there with a boa constrictor. <laughs> the more I tried to fight, the farther I felt
0: yeah. like I was trapped. You know what? When he said when I I, I left the part out, I, I told when I, he said how'd you get out of us? So when I looked up that brush of pretzel hole, I said, a big set of balls, mm-hmm. and, I, and then I said, "It's amazing what you do when you bite your own nuts." Yeah. You know? Oh, <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> oh goodness, oh. Adrian, I have a lot of a lot of good times with Adrian. We you know, we work territories together. You had to take care of each other. You know, if I was hurt, we couldn't do things. And when you was working on top of the territory, you know, it's a whole different standard because you got to carry the territory, make sure that the people believe in what you're doing. Seeing me, even at BM 63, when I go to the ring, I try unless you know you rather. But I try to make the people believe what I'm doing, and that's that's the secret of our business too. When I sell. If I can convince the guy on the front row that whatever the heel's doing to me, that's what's really happening. And then that's when you learn. If you're out there and you're a good heel and you're a good baby face, you can actually learn how to sell one punch better than you can 47. You can sell one kick better than you can 300. And you guys know where I'm going to from. Right. Just, uh, Absolutely. It's just too much. You know, in real life, if you stomp me in the head 30 times, I'm not getting up, no. not today, not tomorrow, not next week watch an MMA fight <laughs> got to stop
2: to <laughs> uh, I said I was saying watch an MMA fight that's not how that works <laughs> 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 yeah
0: I got you gentlemen yeah. hey uh I know that uh I'll be able to interview with you fellas uh, yeah anything quick you wanna ask me earlier because uh I'm gonna, I'm going to Pitcher Forge to meet my wife. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Right up early in the morning, and I got to go to Durham, North Carolina.
2: What's that? I, it's a no problem. We only had two more things actually. Yeah, we we're gonna ask you uh, if you got any great road stories, and then if there's anything else you want to talk about, your school or promote.
0: Yeah, I got a lot of a lot of great road stories. But, uh... <laughs> I probably caused a lot of divorces.
2: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just pick one you can tell.
0: Well, <laughs> right off my bat right now, I don't know. No, but we did a lot of things on the road. Together. Yeah. Uh, have, you know what? I tell you, the first time I ever went into uh, Louisiana for Bill Watts, that's when Jim Duggan and Magnum T.A. were there. And dude, there's a place called the Lighthouse House in Alexandria. And they told me it was real asshole. Me and Robert, that's where we lived at, in Alexandria. And we got into the off that night. And I walk in, I see... Uh, his hat's all Jim Duggan. I see Magnum TA with two of the best and then all of a sudden something happened. And I seen a guy come running by with a tar or two in his hand. And Magnum T A was chasing him. <laughs> but he hit Magnum in the back of the head, of that tar but he's chasing him. And then I look up and here comes it's like man I, what they would film in a movie. Jim Duggan is on the hood of a truck. Huh. Oh, Jesus. Holding on to it, and they're going across the park a lot, 100 miles an hour. The guy hits his brakes. Jim Duggan comes off of it, rolls about six times, and the guy's got the truck in reverse, and Jim Duggan's chasing
3: the truck. That was my first night in the Louisiana territory. <laughs> wow. I <don't> what.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was close. I have some really good stories I could tell, but I just don't like telling them on a podcast. No, nah, no problem. No problem. Don't these.
1: <laughs> yeah, we we don't we don't want to get anybody in trouble, Rick. <laughs> no, 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 wait,
0: wait, no. What is the second question?
1: Actually, is there anything uh you
2: want to promote your school or whatever? Go right for it.
0: Oh yeah, man! Please, I love to you guys. Everybody out there, you guys too. Just go on Facebook, School of Morton, and check it out. Go through it. Everything there is done is really great. And for a guy with no education, check it out. We do everything there at our school. Another thing, if you're interested, I'm in a babyface Ricky Morton on Instagram. A lot of places. You see a lot of good stuff on there. I'm always, you know, I'm always at the back doing a lot of good stuff. As in regular Facebook, Ricky Morton. This weekend, I'm gonna, tomorrow night, I'll be in Durham, North Carolina. I'll be in Spartanburg, the legendary home of NWA, buddy. One of our greatest places that we ever wrestle at. And then uh, next Wednesday, guys, I'll be back at AEW every Tuesday night on YouTube, or you'll see uh, NWA Wrestling. And, buddy, it's, it's old school wrestling. Y'all check it out. I really love being a part of that company. Matter of fact, I love being a part of all the companies because it used to be around the boys. The boys is what I stood up for all my life. And that's who I am. I love being around them. And if you guys get a chance to come and see us again, please come. We'll do. And uh, tell me who you are, and I'll take you to back and show you some things that should ever. Okay? <laughs> that Ricky, sounds that great. That sounds
1: fantastic, Rick. Ricky, we really hey, man. Pre-
0: Thank you all for having me on the show. And and God, yeah. And me, i I just tell you, uh, I believe in God, and y'all, God bless you, and, and, and be careful through the, I hope this. Uh, 2020 is going to be great to you. Yes. And uh, just take it for what it's worth and never take a day for granted. But okay, I know what's going to happen tomorrow.